Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. About how life is not fair. That is a point my parents beat into me from a kid is life's not fair. Get used to it. Deal with it. And so when I got into these situations, even when I felt like this sucked, like when you feel like things are unfair, it, it's a hurt inside you. It's a pain where you just want someone to help you. You just want something to go right. And your heart bleeds for that. But at the same time, I had this very strong voice in my head and in you know my soul being like, tough shit that it's not going to happen. You know it's not. No one's helping you. So like, are you going to figure it out or are you going to live here forever? I've never given a, a second thought to living here. I've thought about killing myself over living in a space of despair, right? So it's just never been an option for me. Hello and welcome to Inside Out. My name is Billy Samoa Salibi and I'm your host. This show is all about insights and explores how transformational moments of awakening have helped propel the lives and careers of exceptionally successful people. These major breakthroughs teach valuable lessons that will help us in business and in life. Today's guest is Mayan Gordon, an incredibly successful social media influencer and entrepreneur that's amassed over 2.3 million followers. On the show, she shares how she went from starving and homeless to create multiple successful businesses. We learn how her upbringing and education played a significant role in how she looks at the world, specifically as it relates to examining the bias that innately exists and how and why information is passed along. Many of these early building blocks paved the way for her entrepreneurial journey. Always an overachiever, she faced inner doubt and hit a low point after dropping out of college and becoming homeless. But that didn't stop her. She shares her journey step-by-step and you'll hear exactly how she became the person she is today. Confident and real, Mayan is completely transparent about her entire journey. She provides tactical tips about how to use TikTok, her primary platform, why she feels you should think about social media like a science experiment, why she believes in questioning everything, and what she means when she says making viral content is like making a full court basketball shot. I absolutely love her insights and I'm excited to share them on this episode of Inside Out. Mayan Gordon, welcome to Inside Out. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited. I first found you through Corey Warfield. He and and you were having a conversation about TikTok. And I quickly realized that you have amassed an incredible following on that platform. 1.7 million followers on TikTok. 
I think it's like 2.3 million when you add in Instagram. So clearly you've had a, a ton of success with that incredible platform. And I want to dive in on that. But before we get into all of that, I really want to hear your story and get to know you. So for those that don't know you, we'll go back as far as you want. You go back to your childhood. I want to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, sure. So we can we can definitely start at uh, at my childhood. I grew up in an Orthodox Jewish family. So I'm the, I'm also the eldest of four children. So my parents had me when they were very young in their you know early early twenties and were very poor. Both of my parents are in the academic profession. They're both professors now at the University of Washington, Washington State. You know, but back then they were still in school. And so I grew up in, you know, a very, I would say, restricted and, you know, very closed off environment. So around, you know, the Jewish community, I didn't, you know, experience a lot of different types of people until probably my middle school years when I had a very actually drastic shift and went to a mostly black public school. So instead of a very small, uh, all Jewish private school, it was now a, a big public school that, you know, was, I'd say, you know, 90 plus percent African and then also African-American. And that was just like a really interesting thing that helped my my brain expand into mm. different perspectives as I was growing up. And then after middle school, I went to a very privileged, um, really wonderful high school called Lakeside School in Seattle. Um, it's where Bill Gates and Paul Allen and many, many numerous other very accomplished alumni have gone. And it has an amazing endowment because of that was one of the first schools to implement like smart boards. And I learned so much about how to analyze information and also then compose my own ideas and thoughts. And that's been an invaluable process in my entrepreneurial journey. So really in high school, I developed all these entrepreneurial skills but had no idea that they were useful in a business capacity. I really was only aware of academia and like, you know, the types of jobs that you would get by going to college. Um, And then the types of jobs that you would get by not going to college, which I thought were, you know, McDonald's or like a janitor. And I knew I didn't want to do that. So I thought, okay, obviously I want to go to college. That's the only other choice. And so I went to Occidental College for a year and a half before I realized it wasn't the only other choice. And I realized that uh, because I started getting really great work uh, and pay through copywriting and just finding freelance gigs on Craigslist and on the other various uh, job sites that were available at the time. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. This is so crazy. I have so much freedom to be making this amount of money. I was making like 20 bucks an hour, which at the time to me was like a million dollars, you know, and that's also because I had no sense of any financial education. Um, It wasn't part of any of my schooling. My parents never discussed money with me other than that. I didn't have any money, so I didn't (laughs) get to buy anything. Um, (laughs) So like, that's what I thought about money. I was like, cool. So the way you get stuff is not through money. It's through hard work and through education. And when I realized that the world worked in many different ways, depending on how you you chose to approach it, that's when I decided, you know what, because of that, I'm going to choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I felt I had enough skill set in terms of my my academic upbringing, in terms of technology, because again, uh, one of the blessings I had by going to Lakeside is that I got a laptop when I was 13 years old, like a really, a really good laptop. Um, you know, like a $2,000 laptop, which back in the time was really expensive. And I spent a lot of time learning 
all all different softwares, learning about how to build websites, learning about internet, you know, research and, you know, people's intent when when they're searching and how that affects your different outcomes. And I fell in love with the internet just in general. Like I I think I've always loved technology, but the internet specifically and its ability to both give you information that you would never have access to and at the same time be a tool for helping you in your own creative process. So I found very early on when I was online that I could find things I didn't know yet existed by searching more broad terms. And that was like something so cool because where else can you discover things you don't know exist? And the internet's a place for that. You can discover things that you don't know exist and educate yourself in a way that you can't do through a textbook, so to speak. And so I just, I spent a lot of time doing that and realized that I could make money out of that skill set. So I quit school. I dropped out, started doing copywriting full-time, fell in love with that, but then had uh, an unfortunate gas explosion that I was in, which really just like, I paused all my work for about a month. Um, And during that time, kind of, you know, lost all my contacts, all the jobs I was doing got filled up by other people. And I found it much harder to find new work. So we moved down uh, in our RV and lived out of an RV for a while while we built up a business because I knew that I had the skills again to create something out of nothing. And we built up our first business, which was called 2K Diffuser Beads. And it was a smoking accessory. And we bought Airsoft BBs, repackaged them, sold them to smoke shops and to stoners, had some great packaging, uh, great marketing, got into social media through that business. I have been using social media in my businesses ever since, had a ton of success, have learned through every step along the way. And compounding all that information, I think, is part of what's led to my success on TikTok in the past nine, 10 months now, um, and subsequently also on LinkedIn. Wow, what a story. Thank you for sharing. I want to Talk about something that you said in there that really rung true, which is a life specifically de- designed for you. And as as you know, this show is all about insights. I wonder if you could go back to that moment in time and think about what really caused you to realize that you you are in control because everything up until that point it sounds to me like you know you didn't you didn't know all the the options that were available to you. What was it that made it more clear at that time? You know, I think it was the pressure against the thing I really, really didn't want to do. So it was less of a realization of this is the direction I do want to go and more of a realization I absolutely do not want to go this direction. And and naturally, it was just the opposite direction. So that came from in my third semester at Occidental. And I was, I'm an overachiever on every level. Um, I've always excelled at academics. Um, And so I was taking five classes, which is a a full workload is four classes. So I was taking more than a full workload. And three of the classes were calculus, ochem, and biology. So like really difficult classes and in different cognitive areas. Like the part of your brain you're using for biology is very different than for chemistry equations and chemistry understanding. And it's, it was, it came down to the finals and I, I was doing great in the classes. Like I was getting B's and A's in my classes, but then it came finals time. And I realized that I didn't have the the deep enough level of understanding to get good enough grades on the finals test to where my final grade for the whole semester would have been high enough to meet my goals 
of, and I had high goals because I wanted to be a veterinarian. Like the only reason I was in school was I wanted to be a vet. I've loved animals my whole life. And getting into veterinary school is incredibly competitive, especially if you're a woman, because many more women apply and they really keep Mm. it pretty 50, 50, even in terms of, in terms of who they let in. So it's just, it's, it's more competitive than getting into medical school. Um, and you have to get not only like incredibly high grades, like you can't get multiple Bs, but you also have to have like a ton of extracurriculars. So I was also at the same time I did the LA marathon and was training for that, which takes hours out of your day to train for a marathon. I was doing way too much. Like if I would go back now and, and if I really like had more patience and didn't push it that hard, I think I could have done just fine in school, but I'm glad that I did because it really made me realize, do I want to do this for 12 more years? It, it helped me think about the longer term. And I thought, no, like I don't like school. There's nothing about school that I like at all. I hate lectures. Um, I think homework assignments are stupid, a stupid way to learn. Um, I think discussion-based learning is so much more phenomenally better on all levels. I think collaborative types of projects are, again, 10 a million times better than homework, individual homework assignments. And I think that people can learn what works best for them on their own time to apply different techniques. So I'm really glad that I got out of that because it came finals time and I just, I broke down. I was like, I can't study enough to get a good enough grade. I don't want to go through all the studying and then take these finals and have, and get C's. That's also not an option I want to choose. And I was just like, oh, do I want to even do this? Like, what am I doing? Why am I here? I got into that emotional place of just like qu- questioning everything, I think. Sure. Um, and that's what led me to down a path of more design, I would say. Right. And, uh, you know, we all have dreams and things that we think we want to be throughout our lives at various points in our lives. Maybe we want to be this. I mean, I, I just wrote yesterday about, you know, I wanted to be a major league baseball player when I was a kid and then I wanted to make movies and then I, you know completely relate. You know, you have this vision of what you want to be, but then ultimately, you know, I started as a business major and switched to film. And sometimes these moments happen in our lives that we have this connection or click that allows us to change course and change the trajectory of our lives. One thing you mentioned about your time at Lakeside was it taught you how to compose and think about things. And it really has bled through in your work, helping to set the stage for the way in which you communicate through social media. And I've, I've watched some of your work and you talk about colors and composition and, and how that all really helps to reach the audience. Curious if you could talk a little bit about, and I relate to that too, because when I was in high school, I, I made some, I worked on some projects, paved the way for my own creative pursuits. But I'm curious, what was it about your time there that helped pave the way for your own future? And what was it that you learned? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I got, I learned and got out of Lakeside was the ability to critique information, to to really think where is the information coming from and what types of biases does it have? Not does it have biases, but what are the biases? Sure. Because all information comes through perspective, comes through lens. And knowing what that lens and perspective is can give you such a better depth of understanding about the da- the raw data, so to speak. And that's just been phenomenally helpful because I've applied it at all levels of my process, so to speak, from you know thinking about, is this something that's going to really pay off and bring me value to, is this a person 
that I want to be doing business with. And again, people are going to, especially with people, I think it's been helpful, even though I feel I'm probably naturally bad at being able to tell if someone's leading me on. Like I'm naturally naive. I, I like to believe people. I believe very, very much in people. And so if someone's good at kind of, you know, there's a lot of people, unfortunately, out there who are quite well, and it's not that they're intentionally, they're not like, oh, I'm going to trick the crap out of this person. It's just they've practiced it long enough that their brain has naturally gotten very good at being able to deceive or manipulate. And I can, I've noticed through time that I can get manipulated if someone makes me think that they either have my best intentions at heart, or if I, if I believe that they believe that they're doing something good versus they're just using the good as a point to draw people in. Mm. Um, and so learning that difference has been hard, but I think even with, with my natural inability or talent towards that, that looking at why is this person telling me something and what are they feeling when they're saying it has had a really large ability for me to succeed on all levels from the customer level to potential partners level to, you know, just meeting people and connecting with people. Like most things, there's two sides to the coin, right? On one hand, you're a trusting person. You believe people have the best intention. You just naturally believe that. The other side of that coin is it, it could burn you if, if that person doesn't, right? And so, but I think for me, I, I'm very much that like you, and I think it is a, a good value and a quality to have because in the end of the day, I do believe most people are good and both most people have the right intentions. And for those that don't, that's probably stemming from their own insecurity, their own, their own life. And yeah. So, it's not intentionally to, usually to hurt you. It's a response right. to something internal. Completely. So you, you're in your LinkedIn bio, you say, you know, homeless to homeowner. And, and now that I've heard your story and know a little bit more, I know that you had this journey with your RV, you moved out of a house and into an RV and you had this exploration with Ben, who's now your husband. Yep. Curious, what insights did you have when you, you know, probably downsized your material things, you went into this mode of, of not having a, a home base. Yep. You know, I know at the time after listening to some of your stories on YouTube and, 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 and talking to you now that you didn't have a ton of money at the time and you were living, you know, by, uh, in means, you know, with not a lot, not a lot. So curious, sometimes when we have these moments in our lives where we don't have everything that we want and we're still searching and figuring things out, we have moments that click and insights. What stands out from your time not having a home and being on the road as, as an insight for you? Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's, there's so many insights I have from that time. And to give a little bit more context, uh, we, it's not, we didn't have a little money. We had no money. So there were many, many periods of time where we would go, let's say two full days without eating anything or with eating maybe one like McChicken each. Like we, you know, we made enough for, for two bucks to get that. We were starving to the point where like our stomachs hurt. Like one day, because we would have to move across the street on certain days when the street cleaner would come by, but all the rest of the time we could park there, the, like the neighbors kind of, you know, Notice us, we would walk our dogs around the neighborhood. Like people kind of knew who we were. And like one day a guy brought us like a big bag of apples. And I, I remember mm. us being, he's like, here guys, like this is for you. We were like, oh my, like we were so excited. It was like so much food for us. <laughs> so that's kind of like the situation we were, we were in. So to go from that to a place where 
not that I don't have to worry about my bills, but I've been able to switch my mindset to where I don't worry about my bills, even if it's, you know, a little bit close within a month. And being able to look at the contrast between those two different mindsets is really, really helpful for me. One, in terms of just being able to have perspective on where I am now. I think understanding where you are at any given now moment is pretty important in terms of you being able to gauge if you're making decisions to go in the right direction. Uh, because you know, moving forward is is relational to where you've come from and yeah. where you want to go. So, side of that, I think you know, really reflecting has been one of my my biggest tools in terms of reaching where I am. And I did a lot of reflecting when I was homeless because I had a lot of time, right? So I'd say it was probably like I would never say that it it was good for me to be homeless. Like it was not a good situation in any any regards. But to have that amount of time to myself to like really think about who I was and what I wanted out of life probably contributed a a great deal to where I am today. Well, I'm thinking, you know, you talked about that you're an overachiever, right? And you had these this interesting experience in multiple schools, like talk about 180, you know, from this, I think early on, was it the more the Orthodox uh, school? Or yeah, that was school it? had like, let's see, it was, it was like 30 kids per class split into two like classrooms. So you, you had like sure. classrooms of 15 kids and there were four grades. So it was like a hundred something kids in the school. So, so you have that school, then you have a school where you, you are the min- minority and, and, you know, you're exposed to a, a lot of different experiences, culture, life yeah. experience, culture. And then you have a totally new experience with, with Lakeside where it's, let's face it, it's probably one of the most premier schools in the country. Yes, yeah. Bill K- so you got this totally eclectic and uh, interesting scholastic journey uh, as a, as a youth. You go to Occidental and at Occidental, you sort of have this aha moment that you're going to you're not you're not meant to be a veterinarian or you don't want to go to school for 12 more years. You just didn't it didn't seem like the right journey for you. And so you made this decision. And then, you know, and I don't know how long after you you ultimately end up on the road and and starving, as you said, and you're an overachiever. And I'm trying to put myself in your own mindset. What went through your mind? How did you feel? Because you did some reflecting and I think reflecting at a time like this is helpful, but also there's also the risk that you start reflecting and start having self-doubt or worry or those sorts of things. So let's unpack the emotions that we're going through. Your oh head. yeah. So, I mean, tons of self-doubt, tons of negative emotions just in general. And it's a little bit hard for me to put myself back in that position just because I have made such a huge change from, you know, eight years ago, that was about eight, eight, nine years ago to now where I feel like really like I love my life. I'm so happy Yes, there's things that still I, you know, have a bad day or, you know, a, something ha- bad happens and then I have to overcome that emotionally. But back then, I feel like I just I didn't have anything on my side. So I felt mm-hmm. I would say just in a place of hopelessness and despair. But at the same time, I think what saved me in that position and got me out of it, what's gotten me out of every position, the thing that I know I can rely on about myself is like I just refuse to live within that space, which is to me giving up. Like the only only way you live within a pit of despair is when you stop trying and you say, okay, I guess this is my life forever now. And if if your life's not going to be that way forever, then why should it be that way one more minute? And that's always been such a strong reasoning in my head. Like, why would I make myself go through this, like this shitty experience, 
why would I torture myself? Like, I've always been very aware that suffering is a self-inflicted thing, that discomfort is external, but suffering is something you do to yourself. Um, And Mm. I know that because I'm Jewish and they teach you that as a little Jew. (laughs) Like they teach you one of the great things about being Jewish and going to Jewish Orthodox school is they teach you a lot about suffering. And about like all the suffering that Jews have been through and about how life is not fair. And like, like that is a, a point my parents beat into me from a kid is life's not fair. Get used to it. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I got into these situations, even when I felt like this suck, like when you feel like things are unfair, it, it's a hurt inside you. It's a pain where you just want someone to help you. You just want something to go right. And your heart bleeds for that. But at the same time, I had this very strong voice in my head and in, you know, my soul being like, tough shit that it's not going to happen. You know, it's not. No one's helping you. So like, are you going to figure it out or are you going to live here forever? And it was, Mm. I've never, I've never given us a second thought to living here. Like I've, I've thought about killing myself over living in a space of despair. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just never been an option for me. Um, and so just every day when I was in that space, it was a combination of survival. Like, what can I do today to not be su- what, like super, super hot? Because the heat is a very, very big deal in L.A. summer. And again, when when we had an RV, it's like we had to be out of the RV by like 8 a.m. or we would overheat because it didn't have our it didn't have air conditioning, like nothing mm-hmm. worked in it. And so and because it was insulated well, like it actually was worse in the summer of getting hot. And we had to take our dogs out. And so we had to figure out like what to do with ourselves during the day when we couldn't be in the RV. Um, We had to figure out, I had to try something every single day to make money. And then, you know, had to do something with the rest of our time to not be miserable. So that's like where I lived. That was my day-to-day space. How can I not be miserable to the best of my ability? How can I survive? And how can I try to do something that makes that brings a little bit of momentum into my life. Yeah. I love that you were used the word momentum and there's a lot of layers there and totally get that. Like it's kind of this builds upon itself and it does become, as you said, a moment of despair and a flood of emotions. I'm sure we're going through you as you, as you, as you just said, what was the transition point? How did you get out of that and into, I know you're, you're taking copywriting jobs and, and you're starting to get more in the internet marketing. And uh, I know, you know, you have some experience with WordPress and, and design and all of those things. You know, I know you were taking some side jobs then, but what was the transition that got you out of that mode where you started to see some upward momentum into a better and more positive headspace? Yeah. So I think it was honestly a really slow climb for the headspace part. So what happened in terms of financially, what happened was our, our business that we started up while we were homeless, we would just go into the school's library. I still had my like student ID card. So we would just go into the library and it was like that, you guys, oh my God, the great thing about expensive schools is their, their facilities are so top notch, like amazing mm-hmm. library. It had these soundproof rooms with TVs and like chairs and desks that you could go in They're They're supposed to be like media project rooms, but we would go in and we would just like plan our business and do research and eat like Cheetos or whatever we could afford. And we did that until we built up, uh, like came up with, you know, came up with a product idea, figured out places in Los Angeles where we could source the product from, buy the the pieces to the product, put the product together in our RV or in the, you know, again, in those little media rooms, we would just like bring it down there. And we, we made a product. We made 36 jars of this product called Diffuser Beads. 
and we put it in a free, you know, like flat rate box. And we walked around to like six different smoke shops, like a couple different miles <laughs> until one of them bought them all. You know, like we pitched in. They're like, that's interesting. Not going to take them. Interesting. Not going to take them. Then we was like, that sounds cool. I'll try them out. These look good. Boom. And we we're like, holy crap, this is real. And that like gave us this huge spark of hope because we, you know, we spent a significant amount of time like put, putting all that work together to make the product and to, you know, think about the best idea for it. Like it's exciting, I think, to create a business. I think that's probably part of what helped us get through homelessness was having something to be excited about and something to put our creativity into. Like, and again, this might just be my personality, but I think there's nothing more fun than teaming up with someone else and thinking about how you can create something mm. that's awesome and that other people are going to like and find value in. So that was something that kept us really going. And then when it was real and not just something we were doing to not not be lazy and to not be in despair. And we were like, oh, this is actually a good idea. And it was validated. Then we put more more time and energy into it. It grew. We made 70000 in the first year, um, about 160000 the second year. So that was enough money. Did that for a while, but got super burnt out on like, as we got more orders, had to spend more time filling jars of beads and like, when we started buying them in bigger bulk, there were like all these extra pieces of plastic that we had to sort through. And it was like, it wasn't fun. And we were watching movies all day. It was just so boring. So I decided I need to do something else more interesting. This is not the life I want to leave forever. Like, it's awesome. It got us out of this situation. What's next? So I went back to my skill set of graphic design and dicker printing and t-shirts is what came out of that. And so I've always been trying to figure out how do I get to the next level of happiness? Because I started out right in this like miserable place of like, I'm hungry all the time. Like back then me and me and my, it was boyfriend at the time, husband now, but we would get in a lot of like really serious yelling, awful fights because like when you're already just upset, when you're upset that your stomach hurts, it puts you in a bad mood. And then you get bad thoughts in your head of, especially back then I had a lot more, I'd say blaming mentality. Like I'm, I'm highly accountable to myself now, but back then it was like, I'm doing all this work. He's not doing it. You know, like you get all these thoughts when you're in a negative place. And so lots of fighting, lots of, you know, bad experiences up to the point where things are going a little better now. We're not starving anymore. So don't have that level of negativity in us, but not happy with what we're doing, not happy with our work. Right. So that's wanted I think, more. Yeah. Wanted more. Didn't want to fill jars of beads every day. So was trying to find what's next. That's what led into the graphic design. That was more fulfilling in terms of the creativity level, but was very frustrating in terms of I didn't have any developed process to rely on for helping customers identify what they wanted in general. So what would happen, right? I'd be like, okay, like for a logo design, like, tell me what you want. Like, what are your ideas? They'd either have no idea to start with, which is very difficult for me, or they'd have some idea I'd design it. There'd be a little back and forth and tweaking. And in the end, they'd go, I don't know what it is, but I just don't like it. And I'm not happy with it. After like mm. back and forth, back and forth, lots and lots of work. And then they didn't want to pay for it. And like, that was a horrible ex I was like, this is not fun. This business sucks. <laughs> and then when we looked into the other sides of it, like scaling the sticker side or scaling the t-shirt side, it required purchasing really expensive equipment. We didn't have any access to capital at the moment. And honestly, we weren't super interested in like stickers or t-shirts either to feel like making that type of commitment. Um, right. And so I was like, okay, what's next? <laughs> what, what else can I do? How do I pivot from here? 
And luckily, I had built up a lot of relationships with glass blowers through the sticker side. And I was like, you know what? Let me trade a set of lessons for a set of stickers and see if I could see myself and like enjoy being a glass blower. Because even if I didn't make any money the first five years, if I developed enough skill, and I know that art is very much like the more you practice, the better you get type of thing, that, you know, if five years in or 10 years in, I could be doing something I loved, be getting paid a decent amount for it, and continue to be increasing my skill and worth. Therefore, continuously, I was like, that's a great life. That sounds like something I could definitely get down on. Traded the lessons, was like, oh my God, I love this. This is awesome. Um, And I've been blowing glass ever since. (laughs) I love it. And you don't settle. And I appreciate that about you. You, You're uncompromising about your quest to be happy and content and to continue to evolve throughout your life. You don't become complacent and stuck. You you might have had times in your life where you have the self-doubt and whatnot. And we've already talked about that, but you didn't let that get you down. Yeah. And so flash forward, you you move beyond, you know, this this world of being in an RV and having these 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 thoughts in your head and you get out of that because you have this great business that sort of takes off. That business then leads to realizing that, you know, as great as this is and it's got us out of a situation, that's not what I want to do the rest of my life. So you you find you know, maybe a short-term option with going back to your roots and your design prowess and your ability to to do that, but also realizing that, you know, there's a lot of issues just dealing with the minutia of the client battles that we have dealing in that in that world. And so, you know, it just wasn't fulfilling. And so you found glass blowing. And I know that ultimately dovetails into a more recent event, which was finding TikTok and and really being the the person that you are on that platform. And so I want to spend some time understanding what got you first interested in TikTok, one. And then two, what do you attribute your success on the platform to? Because for those that don't know or aren't familiar with the, the, the platform, it is just growing by leaps and bounds. And yeah. I'd love for, you know, maybe give a little bit of flavor Absolutely. for the audience that isn't as familiar with TikTok, but it's just such a powerful platform and it's blowing up to say the least. So I'd love to hear your journey there. Yeah. So in terms of like getting from where we kind of just left off, which is, you know, me falling in love with glass blowing, I was really fortunate. I've I've always been mostly very fortunate in terms of my timing. Timing's a huge thing in business. I really, really respect the the timing factor. And right when I hopped on to the glass blowing scene, Instagram was primed in terms of an environment for me to sell on. So there was a huge customer base and huge demand for the types of pieces that I could make and no one else was making them. So it was just like, I started making these pieces and immediately, like literally immediately first day I posted work of my first day work. People are like, how much is that? I would like to buy it. And I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. And then through kind of the process of selling through social media. So through posting, responding to comments, responding to messages, and like an immense amount of direct messages because that's how I closed every, that's how I followed up with the sale. I would do auction style. So I'd post a video on an Instagram or a picture. People would comment their bid amounts. I'd close the auction, DM them, and, you know, follow through the sale. Wow. Um, nice and, system. Yeah, it's great. Every, try it out on Instagram. I bet you it'll, it works for a lot of businesses because there's something, there's something about Instagram in, in its digital environment people like to play the game of com- competition, right? It's kind of like an envy environment. And so when they can feel like they won against other Instagrammers or people in 
that environment, it's like really satisfying for them and adds to the purchase experience. Um, but, but through all those DMs and really at the same time, it was a combination of me working on my internal stuff and then that coming out through my business. So me, one of the things that really kind of shifted me to where I am now and having success on all of the platforms that I'm on is really being transparent with myself and honest with myself about what things I saw internally that were not externally there. So going, I want to be this amazing friend to people. I see myself as like an awesome, great person. How come people don't want to like be my friend on this level that I can feel I want to be their friend? Um, mm-hmm. And I had to, I had to come to terms with that has to be something about me, about something I'm doing. And I realized it was an intentions thing that deep, deep, deep down, I had this belief that other people didn't have my best interests or didn't care about me at my heart that, cause that, that's where I came from in terms of my childhood is, you know, uh, environments typically where, you know, conformity environments, that's where I think most kids come from is act this way and we'll like you. If you don't, we're going to make fun of you or, you know, there'll be some negative consequences to that. That deep seated a thought or a feeling in me um, that took me a really long time to recognize isn't my thought that it's like an external thing that people don't care about you. People are just, you know, out to get something for themselves and what you put into their, to the relationship, so to speak, is not necessarily going to be matched. And yes, that's true. But I think it really took me the realization that me thinking that was, was the thing that was holding me back from achieving the thing that I, I was thinking about it not happening. So it's like a cyclical thing where you first have to believe that other people are good and that they want good things and that you can help them. That was another big thing, like really believing that I had value to deliver to other people. And that took a long time to build just because I didn't have enough knowledge to have the level of confidence that you have to be like, I a thousand percent know I deliver value to every person I'm going to speak to. And having that level of confidence in your value, it leads to a new level of happiness, right? Like it, it feels bad to go into situations where you're supposed to deliver value and you don't feel like you can. Um, and I think I was in a lot of those situations coming up through business because I didn't know a lot of things. I never had a mentor. Again, and part of that was me thinking no one wants to help me. So I'm not going to go ask people for help because I come from a bit of a culture of shame. So like if you ask for something that you know someone doesn't want to give you, you like I feel ashamed of it. That's where that's where I feel shame typically. And so being able to recognize that there's one a very diverse number of people out there and they're all different types of people. So even if 90% of the people in the world felt like I was an awful person, the 10% who are willing to help me is like plenty enough people for me to never care about the rest of them. So, you know, realizing that you don't have to please everyone, that you can right. find people who really intimately connect with you in the way that you want to connect with them. It's hard because it's lonely at first. You have to realize and stop having relationships with a lot of people you used to have relationships to make room for these for these new ones that you want in your life. So I think talking to you, I hadn't even previously thought about this, but part of big change in my life was the people I was talking to, just talking to and having conversations with. And then also the content I was consuming online. So 
not looking in those Facebook groups anymore where like people were talking a bunch of shit. Like, cause that has a really negative effect on your brain. Even when you think you're having a good time, like right. you're not, let me tell you, it's not a fun time to make fun of people compared to like what an actual fun time is like creating something or accomplishing something. So that entire emotional journey is why I'm successful on social media platforms is because I really understand like why people are there. Like emotionally, why are they on the platform? Why did they want to watch that piece of content? What did that piece of content make them feel? Why TikTok specifically I got so such a large following, I would say is two things. Again, t- good timing. So first to give a little context about TikTok, in case you're not that familiar, it is a relatively new social media app, although I would describe it more of a video streaming app because that's what you do. You open up the app and you watch videos. So it's like YouTube, but it's very short videos. So YouTube, you have 20 minute long videos, hour long videos. TikTok, the longest you can post is a minute, but almost everything you're going to see is 10 to 20 seconds. And because of this, and then it's also full screen vertical. So that's important too. So it takes up the like entirety of your phone screen. And because of this, it's much more like captivating when you watch it because it's like, right, there's a lot more visuals, just physically, it's bigger visuals. Like, that's why we like big TVs, right? That's why you want the 72 inches, because it's like, more, you're like, I'm in the movie now. And so TikTok allows you to be immersed in it. Yeah, allows you to be much more immersed. And what that does is it means that things that are visually captivating, are much more captivating. So glass blowing is something pretty visually captivating, because it's glowing. And there's not a lot in the world that glows. And visual things are interesting by contrast, generally, like almost always by contrast. Um, And so when most of the videos you're looking at don't glow, and then you're like, all of a sudden there's a video and it's hot glowing glass and it's like moving. You're like, whoa, let me watch this for a minute. And then there's something about the way that glass moves that's just satisfying because it's Mm -hmm. like moving, but kind of slow. And so it just falls into this great category of upcoming content that is visually satisfying or oddly satisfying ASMR. There's a lot of different names for it, but it's just pleasing to the brain. And so, you know, I'm lucky because I have a great visual category of content. I'm lucky because when I hopped on, it was right before October and I made the cognitive connection that people would get really, really excited if I started posting pumpkin videos with Halloween music a full month before Halloween Mm. started. Um, and that, they that would, timing, that, that timing theme again, so it's important. true. Yeah. yeah. And so in the month of October, I gained 600,000 followers alone because I just tapped into a huge amount of attention and excitement that existed that the app was able to identify. So again, if you don't know much about TikTok, it is, think about it like a smart robot. So it's AI based and it is learning every single second, the more data we're giving it. So data being videos we're posting, data being videos we're watching in our consumption behavior. Um, And so it really can identify where attention is, meaning what videos do people want to watch right now? And then it looks at its entire inventory and goes, okay, these are the best matching videos to show all these people. And it's doing that right for like hundreds of millions of people all the time. So it's really, really smart, really, really advanced, and it's learn. It's learning, so it's getting smarter and smarter it's and smarter. Better. It's getting better, yeah. And in addition to it getting smarter on its own, the TikTok team and developers are also enhancing it by adding new features and adding new elements. So 
think about if your rob if you had a really smart robot and it was learning on its own, but then you also gave it like an extra tool to start learning from and with, right? It would become even smarter and more capable of doing very diverse things. So what it is now is not what it's going to be. Even six months from now, it's going to be a different, you know, beast of a machine where, yes, the core functionality will be the same, but all the nuanced activity will be very different and enhanced. So if someone's just getting started and they're curious enough to start posting content, what would your advice to them be and, you know, get as, as deep as you think would be necessary to get somebody started? Dive deep into your curiosity and let nothing stand in your way. Meaning don't let ideas of doubts or why you shouldn't post something ever stand against your factor of curiosity. Because curiosity is incredibly powerful. And there's something that made you curious. Something in your brain. Usually we can't honestly identify what that is. But something in your brain that is most likely intellectual, although in person it tends to be a little bit more metaphysical, as in you can sense people's energy, like there's something that we haven't been able to measure yet that our brains communicate with and our bodies do as well. But through the digital space, um, it's really about how do you connect with people on this level that is deeper than we're used to. And it takes time and it takes practice, but curiosity is like one of those tools that we already have. It's like like curiosity and TikTok are really similar tools and things mm-hmm. because what what your curiosity is is a test almost. Like when TikTok sends out your video, it sends it to a test audience and it gets feedback. That's like what curiosity is. It's saying, "Hey, I've got an idea. Could you test it for me?" Well. As the brain will get feedback and make decisions from there. And I think a lot of people don't see curiosity that way. They see it as almost like a gamble. Curiosity is not a gamble. It's a science experiment. So really, the more science experiments you do, the more informed you're going to be and the more you're going to be able to create something that is very valuable. So, and I think I'm, you know, I'm blessed to have a scientist background. So I understand all this. Like in science, it's science is a business, just like anything else. In the end, you're trying to create something that you can sell or that can, you know, that can be monetized because you cannot create large-scale medicine or large-scale things without large-scale money. So science has to be, and that's why there's grants and there's a whole money system involved Mm -hmm. with science. But it doesn't work like a typical business where you're like monetizing right away, right? You could spend 20 years working on a science project before it comes to fruition, but then it's making you enough money to where like you can run all the science experiments you could ever want now because of like, it's literally so game changing. And that's what TikTok is. So experiment, 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 because one experiment that goes right could be a hundred million views, could change, could be enough attention for you to then run all sorts of different experiments on different platforms on different, right? If you're thinking about TikTok as an experiment, let's say, putting time and energy into Facebook's an experiment, putting time into ener- into anything's an experiment, right? Like you don't know what you're going to get out of it. You hope you know, you think you know, but it's all everything we're doing. You never in life. really know that. Life's an experiment, you guys. So when you have curiosity, do that thing, perform an experiment based on that curiosity. And TikTok's a really 
amazing lab, like a science lab for you to it's do so that in. Say that. I was thinking that exact word. Because it's, it's got, it's got, it's stocked. If you think about like a laboratory, it's stocked with all the equipment you need. Like you open up the drawer and it's got the, be- it's got all the different size beakers you need. It's got all the measuring instruments. It's got the feedback and the data and the really, really precise, you know, uh, scale that's going to tell you down to the like, you know, 10,000th decimal. Um, and so having this amazing lab to perform experiments in, take advantage of that by performing as many experiments as you can. No, it makes a ton of sense. And I love using the word experiment because I think it gives you the freedom to make mistakes. You're never going to know before you do it, whether it works, whether it doesn't. And what's beautiful about the platform is it's immediately testing it out. Is this something that people like? Yes. Great. We'll show more people. Immediate feedback. Yeah. Right. It's instant. And so I'm curious, as you think about using TikTok to, you know, it's got a ton of organic reach. It's blowing up. You know, everybody's talking about it. What is the way in which you suggest somebody capitalizing on the momentum that they can build with TikTok, be it, you know, raising awareness of themselves, their brand and, and or their business? How do you take, you know, building that platform and building a follower base and then uh, convert it into something that's tangible that will help you in your business or your brand or your your, your image? Yeah, by talking about it. Um, so anything you do in life, you should share with as many people as you possibly can because you don't know your own value and you never will. The value that you provide to one person is not the value that you might provide to someone else. And there's just so many people out there with such diverse lives, right? Like we all have such unique lives and feel such unique ways and are such unique people that the more you can share what you're doing, the more opportunities will come to you. So even if you're on, like there's a lot of people who think I'm on TikTok, I've got 500 followers or I've got 82 followers and like I'm what I'm supposed to talk about how much I suck on TikTok. Yes, (laughs) but don't say you suck. Like really treat it again. Treat it like a science experiment. You don't say a science experiment sucked because the experiment failed. You say an experiment sucked if you didn't learn or get anything out of it and you wasted resources. So treat talking and sharing about what's going on in your life like that. Um, realize that the the reason people or that scientists publish scientific papers is so that other scientists can use that information. Like they don't just go, oh, I know Susan and Joe and Kevin in the science realm, so I'll message them about my article. They just get it published and they put it out there and then people do, you know, perform more experiments with it or they they get value out of that. And so if you want to get more value out of what you're doing, you have to share it so other people can get value out of it. And then they'll bring that value back to you. It's always about creating more value. And how can you do that in more ways than one? So one way you're creating more value by posting onto TikTok is by creating data, by creating content, by doing an experiment. Another way that you create value, though, is when you share that information, you now give someone else the opportunity to use your information or your post or your sharing as like an original source or Mm -hmm. as data because they can look at it through your perspective. So again, it takes me back to that. um, What I learned in Lakeside is that you actually get additional information from biased information because you get to look at it through someone's perspective. So if I just look up in Wikipedia, some numbers or some facts, I get a baseline level of data. If I ask someone else to tell me numbers and facts about something, not only do I still get the numbers and facts, but I get to think, why did they tell me those numbers and facts? 
what else can I learn from how they told me or what order they told me in or how they emphasized certain words? Like there's so much data that your brain can draw from communication from, and again, if your brain can do it, so can everyone else's brain. And so just share the things you're going through, share what you're doing, share it in a way where you're being objective and let other people make decisions about it or be positive about it. But don't be negative. Like people shoot themselves down before Mm. they even get started. Like you don't know what value you might bring to other people. Don't shoot that down. Yeah. And, you know, like any good scientist, you're going to draw from experience and learning from other scientists and others that have gone before you. So yeah. seeing things that work and, and, and not, not that you're going to copy them, but you get to, you get some ideas and spark some creativity. Curious if you, you know, having done this and been experienced and seeing what works and what doesn't maybe share some of the do's and don'ts. Like what are some, like you, you mentioned the colors and like, right. and the glass is like perfect, right? It's yeah. like the, you, you like, seriously, like if you could Score. create the perfect, yeah. <laughs> it's glowing, it's moving, it's got all the it factor for TikTok. Yeah. What are some other do's along with colors and what are some some don'ts? Yeah, so I would say the the major do is you have to be interesting the whole video. If for a second during the video you get bored, that's not going to fly because it's all, you only have 10 15 seconds, sometimes 6 seconds where you have to be interesting, so you do have to be interesting. Um, So objectively, I would say review your own videos and compare them to other people's videos and really think, "Ah, was my video as interesting? And then if the answer is no, great, then you can think, why? Why didn't I feel as much when I watched my video? And it really comes down to emotion. Um, Did you feel something when you watched that video? Because that's what's interesting to us is our own emotions. When you realize someone else was creative, it's that feeling of creativity within yourself that pleases you. So you're not like excited that someone else was creative. You're excited that you now feel more creative. And so this same thing with any videos on TikTok, and I think it really comes from them being short, that you pay attention and you engage with the content in a different way, just psychologically, because on a long video, you have literal time to think thoughts. In a short video, it's it's just more primal and reactive. Feeling. Yeah, feeling. feeling. Right? And so that's what I would say do pay attention to. Don't pay attention to views or likes. Like in terms of, like pay attention to them in terms of feedback, but don't pay attention to them in terms of like, why did this happen? Like they are not a source of information outside of did people like it or did they not like it? That is it. It is a, a flip switch, yes or no that you should be looking at your views and your hearts by. The rest of it is where you should really be looking, I would say, in a comparative aspect. So when a science experiment doesn't go well, a way to find out more information from it is to compare it to other similar science experiments. Um, So do that with your TikTok videos. If instead of just making video, like don't just keep making videos that aren't working. Don't do that. (laughs) Make a video. If it doesn't work, come up with a new experiment, so to speak, or a tweak on your experiment, right? Sometimes it's not a whole new experiment or like you don't need a whole new experiment to turn an experiment from a failure to all of a sudden a success. Sometimes it's one ingredient within the experiment so much so as like you need to change the temperature three degrees. Like it's, it's so similar to science, right? Science is very finicky. Sometimes it's one milligram too much material and the reaction didn't go the correct correct way. Or sometimes it's, you know, the heat being incorrect. 
um, where the chemical reaction won't go. And same thing with TikTok. Like your video has to be, come on guys, your video has to beat out hundreds of millions, if not billions of other videos to go super viral. And people are, are thinking about like, oh, but I expect that because all the videos I see yeah. are super viral. It's like, yeah, because that's how TikTok works is it shows you the most popular videos. But that doesn't mean that it's easy. It's still like trying to make a full court basketball shot. Like you're going to mm-hmm. have to shoot a lot of baskets. <laughs> that's and, right. and what you, a great you analogy. Might, it is a great analogy because you might be someone who never makes it. Like, let's be honest, there's some people they could try throw in that basketball their whole life. And again, let's talk about a certain distance. Maybe full court is too close, but let's, let's pick that distance where there's, there's some people they'll never make it. And then there's some people who like, if they throw enough balls, they'll get kind of consistent. They'll make one out of every hundred or they'll make one out of every 10, right? There's different levels of talent involved with it, but you got to throw a lot of, a lot of balls because it's a hard shot to make. So you mentioned something, I I saw one interview that you did recently, and one of the things that stood out from that interview, you talk about that if you get one ingredient, you talk about these ingredients, right, or the the, the science experience, if you get one right, and as long as the rest of them are at least good and not just like totally bringing it down, that one thing could take it and, and make it that viral video. It can make it that perfect shot. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that concept. Salt. Because I think it's, it's, it's salt. Go ahead. So I don't know if many of you have gone through different levels of cooking. So when I grew up, my parents, they're bad cooks. Like no offense, mom and dad, but you guys know, like they don't make good food. And so I thought I didn't like a lot of foods growing up. And then I like left home and met other people and told them how how the food was cooked. And they were like, oh, you don't use salt on on like Brussels sprouts? I was like, no, my mom would just put them in the microwave <laughs> and then they'd be done and they smell awful. And then he made me Brussels sprouts and put salt <laughs> on them and did them in a pan. And I and right. first of all, they smell. I was like, why do they smell good? <laughs> and then second, I was like, oh my God, it's a completely different flavor, right? Salt can completely change and bring out the f- all the other flavors in, in mm. a food. So can certain elements in video. Um, You can get one thing so phenomenally well, like the visuals. Like if something's visually captivating enough, I don't care what I'm hearing. I don't care what the caption is. I'm just captivated visually. Same thing with music or or sound. If a sound, and it's a little bit, I think, more difficult, but if a sound is either catchy enough or weird slash interesting slash Right. There's sometimes you hear something and you just got it. You're like, what? And you just got to hear it 10 more times. I don't know what to call that intrigue. I don't know. But like if you can get either of those things, I don't care what I'm watching. I just like have to listen to it a bunch more times. So that's what I mean when I say you can get an ingredient so right that it kind of takes over the rest of it. Everything you just said so interesting to me and you talk about intriguing is this whole concept of putting out something that's novel, that's new. And I think this is like absolutely so important with TikTok, especially, and all social media for that matter. Are you providing something that's new, that's different, that's weird? Because that's what people want. They're so tired of the same thing, right? And so how are we going to make it something that's unique or different that's going to pique their curiosity enough to watch? Is that something that you believe as well? Absolutely, yeah. I think it's something everyone's realizing. I think we're the business world and most people in the business world are really struggling is figuring out how do I deliver weird, but still stay on point with the rest of my brand identity. I think people really feel that weird tends to take away from other personality aspects that you can't be 
weird and professional, for example, or that you can't be weird and seem really intelligent. Um, And I think that's completely not true. We're just, again, we're new at weird. We've been hiding all our weirdness in society for hundreds of years, and we're just now letting it out. And TikTok's this, like, amazing mirror for us to, like, be weird through. So it's new. So, like, we're not – it's okay, guys. Like, this is literally – we're all living in the midst of what in a hundred years they'll call the technological or the digital revolution, just like the the industrial revolution. This is on the scale. Like we're in the midst of technology for the first, for the first time in existence, technology is a massive worldwide thing. And we're just so adaptive that we're all like, yeah, it's like this way forever, right? Like it's normal. And it's like, no, it's not normal. It's totally new. It's exciting. And our brain is still very much adapting to every everything that's going on. This is one big giant experiment in and of itself. We all can add our own element of salt, which is yes. us being weird. Yes. So, you know, last question for you is where are we going? Social media and just the world that is technology it is constantly evolving. And what I love about you is you are so dynamic and able to adapt and be Uh, humble enough and open enough to adapt and flow like the glass flows in your TikTok videos. Where are we going in the future? If you could pull out your crystal ball, I mean, obviously we don't know for sure, but where do you see the trends going? Yeah, honestly, again, I'm probably a little bit overly optimistic and naive on this. Um, I don't believe I am, but I'm also self-aware that I think the world is moving in this beautiful place where enough really smart people are now where there's been created both enough wealth and technology to where people have enough um, freedom, time, and energy to come together to create things that are good for other people. So I think it was really hard to do back before the internet, back before, um, you know, all of these pieces of technology. Collaboration was much harder. And now collaboration is so easy. And again, just over time, more and more wealth is created that People have created immense amounts of wealth that they don't need and now have realized, taken the time to realize, wow, what makes me the most happy is helping the world. Um, And all those people now have tools to collaborate and come together and build more tools to help more people. So I think the world is really moving and social media is moving more towards a tool to help you. Instead of just being a tool for marketing or a tool for connecting with others, I really see it evolving into a tool that helps you develop as a person. I think the educational space is having this crazy crisis slash who who knows what is happening, Um, but it's moving digital very clearly. Um, And I see one of the ways it's going to move digital is, right, everyone's starting to talk about how come they don't teach these incredibly important life skills in school? How do we start teaching people real life skills? How do we teach them financial skills? How do we teach them emotional skills? What about the rest of life besides academia? And I think that that is, that's where social media, it's all going to be through social media because that's already where we are. It's already where we put our time and attention. Those are already some of the biggest tech companies or some of the biggest companies that have access to diverse technologies. Um, And so that I see social media evolving into like an amazing tool for self-development and personal growth. Well, I love your glass full look at where we're going. And I totally agree. I think there's going to be so much wisdom and knowledge, but more importantly, help that we are able to provide those that we now have access to in a nanosecond, thanks to 
this incredible infrastructure through the internet. And Maya and Gordon, just been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And thank you for being on Inside Out. Oh, thank you so much. This was a great one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Insight Out. I hope you enjoyed the show and I really hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in your career, in your business, or in your life. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform. This is extremely helpful and I can't tell you how much I would appreciate it. Also, if you haven't checked out our website yet, you can find us on the interweb at insightoutshow.com. On the site, you'll find tons of great content, including all of our podcast episodes, videos, blog posts, and the all-important link to support this show through Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's an amazing platform that helps creators gain the support they need to continue creating. And remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out. Oh, my God.